Good morning, Grace. Good morning. How are you today? I was gonna, uh, that almost was a good morning, Vietnam. Sorry, I just I watched a Robin Williams film yesterday. Gee, I miss that man. Oh, <laughs> oh I know. He was such a beautiful human being, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I love the, the way that he was very conscious about the types of movies he chose to yes. play in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess I should welcome our listeners. Yes, we've just got, we've just <laughs> ru- I've taken a train and we're going down a track. <laughs> yeah, welcome to today's episode of Can You See What I See? It's Vicky Scott here, and today my co-host Grace Hart and I want to talk about values. Yes, it's a word we hear often, and I sometimes hear the question, "What are your values?" But you know, Grace, the older I get, the more I wonder if I know what that <laughs> word really means. Yeah. What do you see about values? Well, it's interesting. I'm looking forward to what you're going to talk about. Um, I was th- this conversation never happened for me uh, growing up, and um, it was only actually during um, a YouTube. I was doing a class, a Simon Sinek class, and um, values came up as a topic, and I was like, "Hmm." So I, I would like to see what you see on this one. I'm 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 a newbie. <laughs> ah, yeah. Well, that's interesting because. I don't actually recall, you know, being sat down and having a conversation Same. about this thing called values. It was almost like they were implied or you should just know what they are. Um, but, you know, some of the books I've read, um, including Dr. William Glass's book about take charge of your life, uh, he said that he believes all our values, good and bad, actually come from within ourselves. So, you know, in my experience, or we've all had all different experiences, so, um, but if you take that back to the the world itself where everything exists, then he's saying that there are uh, no values or labels of any kind and it was only really when we, uh, as a species, had to find a way to communicate sensibly that language developed and we had to agree on what to call some of the objects that we all encountered. Um, and he said over the years in a variety of languages, a tree became a tree, up became up and sweet, sweet, um, until everything we knew about had some sort of a description. Um, so that sort of interested me to see what, um, well, how did we get here? And he said that, you know, as long as we were describing a particular configuration like a man or a river, we could usually agree. But later, if we wanted to warn someone about a person who might harm them or to tell them about a crystal clear river, we began to add values to our descriptions. And then we'd talk about a bad man or a good river. But when we did that, we often disagreed strongly. and that he thinks that that disagreement over values is still very much with us because it comes down to when we label something as good or bad, that's where we get into trouble um, from person to person. Mm. What do you reckon? I agree with that. You know, I think that um, anything that you form from a place of judgment uh, is going to lock you into a conclusion and you won't be able to see possibilities. 
I think it's um, from an awareness point of view, you know, I, after we did this um, Simon Sinek thing, I, I googled, you know, value lists. <laughs> I was like, mm. what are my values? And I was fascinated to see things, you know, like enthusiasm, because that's one of mine. I, I'm just enthusiastic about most things, you know, even bubbles as, the, you know, rice is boiling. It's just fascinating to me that the, all the colours. Um, so I get enthusiastic, but I... I, I think that if you come from an awareness, like I have an awareness that I have enthusiasm, but if you turn that into a judgment, um, it changes things, doesn't it? Or make it mm. right that I have enthusiasm and wrong that someone doesn't. I, I, you know, I think we get into trouble that way. And I think the gift is our individuality and especially in team building and, um, you know, it well, actually it's everywhere. I think it's, um, you know, it's lovely to have people with different values as well as similar values. Yeah, yes, it sure is. And sometimes it's actually, um, and we'll maybe talk about this a little bit later, but um, really understanding about what informs those values. Um, because yeah. it's like when we have a sensory camera, Bill Glasser says, and it's, we either add a good or a bad value to almost every significant thing we perceive. And he says it happens quickly and automatically without us having any awareness. Autopilot, that we're actually doing yeah. It. Mm. Yeah, being on autopilot, yeah. Yeah, so he said, um, you know, that values seem to be as much a part of what we see as colour, shape or size, but unlike those descriptive labels, they're much more personal. So, for example, he says that although few of us argue about a person's skin colour, we do argue about the value of the person whose skin is that colour. And I thought, oh, that's an aha moment for me. Yeah, yeah. And we, and how do we do that with everything else too? Mm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but the problem is, as we know, once that value is in our camera, we tend to use it and then we stockpile them. The one's good and one's bad. So and and how many, you know, quote unquote values do we, um, you know, have impelled at us, you know, whether it's society or, um, you know, parents, culture, instead of actually looking at what's more, what's true for me? Exactly. But that comes down to really being clear about what we want. Yeah. Because. Um, and willing to know that we can choose that. We don't have to be on autopilot by our upbringing, our culture. Um, because they, you know, you had a parent say, oh, gee, you're really good at this, therefore you should do that. You know, let's let's expand our horizons here and look at what we can create. And, and I think that's part of the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to do the can you see what I see? Because often, you know, we only have a, a stockpile of things that have happened in the past and so we feel we're locked into it's either that or that without saying, yeah. oh, what else is possible? Yay. Yeah. So, and, and to that, me, it's um, no, no, go, honey. I was just going to say, it, um, if it coincides with what we want, then a good label is attached yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, if you say that's good, well, if you don't have a point of view that it can get even greater than that, then you're locked into that good. And what if there's a greater possibility? What if you bumped into someone that had a completely different point of view that if you we're exposed to that, being willing to see that could actually, it makes you greater as a person uh, as well as what you can generate and create with, you know, the person you're speaking to, for example. Mm. Yeah, well, and if you think about it, if what if we, what we perceive is either good or bad, 
um, or what we want or what we don't want, that the long, the big, the bigger the difference becomes, the more we feel compelled to reduce it. And can I you can't speak, help but Can wonder, you speak more about that, please? Yeah. Well, for me, um, we feel compelled to reduce this um, this difference, I suppose, or it's it's not what we want. So, therefore, to, in order to convince somebody else of something we do want, then you know that's been my experience of you know suddenly we I find used to find myself exhausting myself with just arguing and it's so unproductive and you reject you backbite you gossip and it happens everywhere not just in families and friendships but the workplace and then you know communities in one country and another until we find that we're moralizing and preaching and anyway it it all just seems to me to be at the root of creating separateness amongst us. Well, I mean, isn't that what polarity is? You know, if you, if you, where, whatever your point of view is, if you, you're, you know, talk, if you're a country and you're speaking on behalf of your country and you're dealing with another person, you know, another country or another person to make it easier, um, if if there's a polarity there, there, you know, one right, one wrong, um, there's immediate separation. There's no creation there, and of course, then what happens? It's a bit like a, a courtroom, you know, that that. They're just two stories and both are putting their narrative forward instead of looking at, well, what's actually required here? What can we generate and create here? Separate to, um, you know, my right point of view or your wrong point of view. And that's that's the mm. world I'd love to see. And, yeah, what, what you were talking about, like diminishing and, you know, making small, that to me that's, is what gets created when we go into this polarity Oh, look, I couldn't agree more, you know, and because we've labelled something as good and and um, I want to talk a little bit about um, some research that um, I interviewed Dr Lynette Maguire once when I was doing community radio and she had done a PhD on, um, well, how social media was impacting uh, our younger generation mm. And I really, because I think to me this sort of showed up the differences and how the values and have changed over time. And she, as part of her research, she looked at how did we get here and where are we heading? And uh, she said, and she broke it down into four age groups. And I'll put her website on on our um, podcast information so people can actually Google her work because it's quite interesting. She says the traditionalists who are anyone aged over 76 or over, I think it is, they worked hard, they put family first, they trusted the government, they believed in law and order and they valued family and community above all other values. But what influenced them in their lifetime was World War II, the Korean War, the Great Depression, rising corporations and the space age. Uh, and they lived through or were raised by parents that survived the Great Depression. So their core value, she maintained, um, is family and community or we. And so if it's not good for the family or community, I'm not doing it. And then the next one is the baby boomers, um, those of us aged 57 to 75 around. Our major influences were the civil rights, um, the Vietnam War, the sexual revolution, the Cold War in Russia, space travel, 
we're also have the highest divorce rate and second marriages in history. Um, they were post-war babies who grew up to be the radicals of the 70s and the yuppies of the 80s. Prosperity was promised to them as children and they pursue it. And as a result, they can be seen as being greedy, materialistic and ambitious. But their core value is success. Now, I can relate to that because I've probably come from that, but my confusion came about from what does success actually look like, but that's a different subject. So then the next generation, um, she called Generation X for those aged between 41 and 57. And we were the dink, or they were the dinks, dual-income families and single parents. They were the first generation of latchkey kids with activism and corporate downsizing. Mothers worked, um, but had the highest number of divorced parents. Their perceptions are shaped by growing up and having to take care of themselves early. And they're the first generation that will not do as well financially as their parents did. And their core value has become time. They want better quality time. Um, and then the last one she talked about were the millennials. So for anyone under 40, and she says that they're the most entitled and educated generation to date. And their values include fun, tolerance, diversity and independence. Uh, and, you know, some of the things that um, um, have influenced them is digital media, they've had a child-focused world, they've been school shootings, there was AIDS, um, you know, they want to be the next great generation and to turn around all the wrong they see in the world. Um, and they're the first generation of children with schedules, <laughs> which is interesting. But their core value is individuality. So if it's not good for me, I'm not doing it. And what she said is that that move away from the traditionalists who had the core value of we, um, which was the connection of family and community, that's created a disjointed and disconnected society which lacks empathy but rather focuses on the self. And that has brought our narcissistic traits to the fore. So, you know... You know, talking about narcissism, I'll just say this, but I know you've got a lot of experience in that area. Too, Unfortunately. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, um, but it's interesting. I think we all have narcissistic traits, but yes. what happens when they get out of balance? Anyway, she says that um, previous generations, we've actually contributed to that rise in narcissism. We can't just blame that generation because um, she said even just a simple study of baby names can show how narcissism is growing around the world. From the 90s, back in 1990s, from then on, everyone wanted their child to stand out as special. And that meant the creation of new names, such as literally, she says, unique, U-N-I-Q-U-E. There were 223 babies named unique in California in the 90s. And then along with a deviation of spelling in those names. So some would spell it U-N-E-E-K, et cetera, et cetera. So, and if parents weren't making up new names, they were changing the spelling of popular names. So that shift in baby naming was a drive by parents to make their children stand out and not be like anyone else. What do you reckon about that? Yeah. Uh, well, I have a... a I thoroughly agree. I have a different take on it in that because um, mm -hmm. I've got obviously got two kids in that in that um, generation, and 
what I've noticed is that they're not willing to let go of who they are. And there's a gr- and for for my kids, what I've noticed is they are aware that things aren't working as globally, and um, yeah. uh, they're both privately passionate about um, the environment. Both of them, both of them, that's their their thing more than anything mm-hmm. else. And and it's an interesting thing because they'll stand up for what they believe individually because they want a greater world externally. So it's they've got this uh, this concept of if I stay true to what, to me, I'm going to create greater for the planet. In other words, um, you know, oxygen to yourself and then your children. So it's like oxygen to myself and then the planet, you know, gets gets that help. Whereas if we're not looking after ourselves, then how can we um, actually generate and create for the planet? But where it gets wonky is if you've suffered trauma, it turns into, instead of it, it being just gas mass for myself, it turns into that narcissism where when you're in survival brain, um, it becomes all about you. So, you know, it's about that bear coming at you. And um, so it is all about me in that moment. Like, how do I, how do I survive this bear? And if you've had ongoing trauma, you, you don't even pay attention to the, the, the trees in the forest or the other animals or the other people that might also be uh, in line with, you know, the bear. Um, mm. you're, all you're caring about is surviving this, this attack that's coming at you. And um, so I think that that's what's breeding that narcissism. It's just that we're, there's so many people that are in survival brain that their focus is on themselves, not from a giving oxygen, in other words, empowering themselves, you know, learning, healing. It's more, it becomes more a survival, just how to, how to stay alive. And, you know, it's one of the traits that abusers use, that distraction, that continual um, you know, love bombing, and then and then you get the abuse, and and there's the up and down, and then you you develop that um, hypervigilance, where you're continually looking at the perpetrator. You know, what are, what's are, are they in a bad mood today? Um, you know, do I need to be careful today? How do I make them happy? How do I not make this happen? You know, how can I prevent this? And so your world's gone just completely focused on just that person or that problem, but really it's all about your own survival. So, yeah, so, I mean, does that make sense, <laughs> what I'm saying? Oh, well, absolutely, and you, you often talk about safety and security. Mm. I mean, that's pretty good value to have, to me, you know, if, you, if yeah. safety is important to you and so is security. Well, you can't heal. Uh, it's, uh, the research shows with trauma, unless you feel safe, secure and supported, you can't actually um, get into that healing process. Mm. So we do need to have more of us, you know, this is the sort of thing that I would call it a basic life skill. If we were to have that sort of a conversation ourselves and just ask, you know, there's a lot of lot of um, research and around it now and not just in written book form but YouTube people are sharing their experiences and anyway. That I that, think yeah, that um, lived so, experience, is, there's nothing like yeah. it, you know. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, social media, yes, it's got its bad things. But, geez, if I had social media when I was going through domestic violence, it would have been a completely different world for me um, to you, just you have that have support. You alone. Not alone and also that it was violence. I had no idea. So, mm. you know, this is where I'm grateful for technology and I'm grateful for people sharing 
Um, but what, what I do notice on just even those domestic violence platforms, you can see it. It's, it there's that I, 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 me, me, me. And it's not about making them wrong because that's all you've got. It's survival. And um, mm. but I'm seeing as, a, especially now with COVID, I'm seeing a lot of people, what am I going to do with this, you know, in relation to the mortgage? What am I going to do in relation to this business? Um, and yeah, it's it's developing that inward rather than what can we create? What can we generate? You know, what's possible here? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think it is a human thing that each of us wants to be able to manage our own lives. And I think what COVID has done, especially now that we're into the second year, mm. late in the second year of it, it, it's caused us to become aware of that value that, you know, we want responsibility and um, and we want to know that we can um, be in the driver's seat for our life, don't we? Well, it's, yeah, it's and a lot of people, to, they don't even know that. They're, they're they're in the reaction, the survival. They they're not then their minds aren't even in that there is a choice for that to be different. It's more just l- let me deal with this boiling water now, instead of absolutely. Hey, we could get yeah. out of this pot altogether. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah, it's yeah. that choice is not possible at that moment because of the the um the trauma there. Absolutely, and that been made worse because of COVID where people aren't getting out and about as much and so you know it's it's um, really shone the, the light on just how bad that can be I know and, and affecting everything because you've got financial fears you've got your health fears and then you're not getting your body's not able to get out there and do the things it wanted to, it wanted to do that made it happy you know whether it's a beach walk mm-hmm. or whatever it is and then you're not mm. having that connection with people, and um, and when you're working again, it's now virtual meetings. It's not you know sitting around a boardroom where you can sense, feel, connect, laugh, you know, have a little morning tea break where you probably end up getting better ideas and solutions than in the actual meeting room. So mm. yeah, all of that's missing. It's a new way of being, isn't it? It is. It is. And you know, with the lockdown coming at unexpectedly or when they exactly. do come. Exactly. And I that's no different to, you know, domestic violence. When's the hit going to come? When, when's that punch going to come? Yeah. You know, it's it's very similar. Okay, yeah. So, well, that makes sense because mm. it takes away that sense of we're not in control of our own life. We're not safe. We're not safe. We don't yeah. know We don't know what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. But and, of course, sorry, go well, now I was going to go to a different... Oh, I was, so I was just going to say in relation to safety, it's like when I just said we're not safe, I really wanted to just say you're not safe the way you might have had it. And and in my point of view, you're not going to be able to go back. You know, so if, you, if you're trying to just get back to how you felt before COVID, um, maybe look at what you can generate and create now in this new world um, you know, because just a snapshot, when I was doing my domestic violence counselling, there was a moment where I I realised I'm never going to feel safe the way I did prior to. So, and, you know, say someone gets raped, that the level of safety that that person had before that came into their universe, they're not going to be able to get back to it. But they can develop a new way of being safe that is just as wonderful yeah. as it was before, but very different. So, you know, if you're struggling yeah. with COVID or anything, please know that, Yes, you're not going to be able to necessarily get back to, but let's not get back to. Let's create a new way of 
a new yeah, way forward. That sounds yeah. much lighter. Seems much lighter, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Not just having to, um, as you say, um, make something look the way it used to because it's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen, which you showed up with that work of Dr. Lynette Maguire too, that over four generations there, the values have changed significantly yeah. because of the experiences. So, um, yeah. you, you know, that's, you know, I can talk about me being the project manager in life. It's probably our biggest project. Um, I was reading Hugh Mackay's book, The Good Life, and What Makes a Life Worth Living. I don't know if you know, Hugh, that he's a social researcher. Okay. He's written about 10 books, I think, in that field of social analysis and ethics. And I like reading his work because Mm. it calls me to think about, well, what is life about? And what do I want to experience before my time here is up? Because that's the other thing. I think we've forgotten how to die. It's almost we see it as a tragedy when, in reality, none of us are going to escape it. Exactly. You can't be born without dying so mm. um and my dad who was a traditionalist he had seven kids and his core value you know it, to me it sort of rang true with Lynette's research in that family came first and he always contributed to the community he lived in and just before he died I rem- he'd been told that he only had a couple of months to live and I was sitting with him one morning and I said so what's it feel like knowing that your time is nearly up? And he just quietly responded with, I'm glad each of you kids are satisfied with what I tried to do. And I thought, oh, wow, is that what it comes down to, you know, at the end of life? So I guess for me, um, it, it's exactly what we want to, you know, to feel like, isn't it? That our time here has been... Um, worthwhile in that we know that we mattered. Yeah, it, what's and coming that, to my mind is that that what Oprah said in, when she spoke here in Australia, you know, that after every single recording, no matter whether it was a president or a mum, dad, they said, did I do okay? You know, did you get what you wanted? Was, I right? was it all right? <laughs> so it sounds a bit like um, that, Yeah. We all want to feel validated by something. That we did okay. Yeah, that, you know, yeah. we made a difference. We did okay. Yeah. Well, Hugh Mackay, he thinks that um, um, a person, you know, who he said that a good life is probably marked by a courteous respect for others' rights, a responsiveness to others' needs, including their need to be taken seriously, and a concern for others' well-being. And he thinks that a person living that sort of a life will be motivated by kindness and compassion. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes complete sense. I, I, I've got more of a simplistic. I just think if you function from awareness, you'll you'll be all of that. Oh, that's too simple, Grace. Oh, okay. That'll be a very quick book. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's where the power is, isn't it, is in that awareness. I so get you. That's the only word you need, really, because once it's you've It's truly your own that, protection. That's all yeah. you need to be aware. Yeah. Yeah, because you be see, aware because, mm, yeah, you'll know what's required. Mm. You will. And, you'll, and, you know, awareness is not judgment. So you're not, you know, you're not observing from a um, polarity on, 
you know, what what is this and let me judge it and work out whether it's good or bad or, or you know, it's it's just what you, you just have an awareness. You know, what would it what would it create if I dated this person or what would it create if I whatever, you just have a, you have an awareness. <laughs> it's it's simple. Yes, but unfortunately we still come at this thing of called values from yes. from that place of the lens that we look through. And yeah, we turn it into a judgment. Yeah, we turn we turn a value into a judgment rather than it just being like I'm enthusiastic. You know, it's like that's one of my skill sets, um, and you know, I bring joy and lightness into things. And you know, I suppose my 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 main thing is kindness. It's super important to me. Um, so it's but I don't judge what kindness is. It's an energy that I be. I don't judge what enthusiasm is. It's just an energy that I be. It's it's one of my super skills. And mm-hmm. um, but when when I judge it, then I'm going to look at well, I can only be enthusiastic in this way and I, or that way, or I can't be enthusiastic with that person because they're not going to be able to receive it. And and it just it just bastardizes what is something that's so beautiful in you. So for me, it's about just acknowledging you have those energies. You know, the energies of fun and joy and kindness or confidence or adventure or, you know, loyalty or let them be energies, not a Mm. judgment that you have to be. Um, Because what I've noticed is that it turns into a judgment and then you use it as separation. In other words, they don't have the same value as me, so I'm going to separate. Well, they might have some information that could change your whole life. They might not share your Mm. values, but so that's where the awareness comes in. Oh, I'm going to sit and listen to this person talk, even though... They might be a murderer, for example, you know. And and but what if he had an experience that you could learn some information that could save your life or your kids' lives? So this is where mm-hmm. you know we I think we need to be really careful, like acknowledge our values and see them for the gift and the energy that they are, but don't go into judgment and polarity with them. Well, that's. That's the problem that I think is happening more and more now because mm. what we call values are often intertwined or confused with beliefs. Yes. And I know this has always been a big thing for our daughter too. She gets confused. Not she doesn't get confused, but she's just observed about the difference because she said, you know, you might have a belief that it's bad to smack children, but the value beneath the belief is be kind. Um, or if you've got a belief it's bad to vaccinate, or conversely, it's good to vaccinate, that's a belief. But the value beneath that belief is actually family and health. And so for people I, who... I, I just want to pause on that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. That, I mean, to me, that's just gold. That's exactly what's going on, no matter what the topic is, whether it's vaccinations or whatever. It's, um, you know, generally speaking, most people have this, you'll, there'll be a commonality. And that is so beautifully said. Both parties, vaccinate, no, don't vaccinate, might have the exact same core values um, just showing up in a different way. Mm. And wouldn't it be nice if we could actually take the labels away of good and bad and actually see what else is possible? Yeah, because, I mean, for me, if you look at it from a you know, like a ruler, so, you know, one centimetre to 100 centimetres. And so if one's on one end, you know, one centimetre, and one's on the 100 centimetres, so the right and wrong, good and bad, etc. 
there's that that separation in itself. It, you can't go anywhere with that because you you're so glued to your point of view, and 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 I think that it's about it rather than it about being black and white. You know, let's actually merge the molecules and create a kaleidoscope of possibilities. And, um, and, and, you know, being aware of what someone's choosing and if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. It's not making anyone right or wrong. It's just being aware. And it's the same thing in, in you know, a violent relationship or, you know, if, you've got a, if you're dating someone who's an alcoholic and you're just wondering, is this behaviour going to stop? It's not about I'm, I'm right that I don't, I'm not an alcoholic and he's wrong because he is one. It's actually about being aware, okay, I'm aware that I don't drink and I'm aware that he, that he maybe drinks too much and it's causing whatever it is. So from that awareness, let me be in that question on, is, is this actually going to change? And if it's not, then you can make choices. But what we do is we, we're so adamant with the right and the wrong and we tell our story and how terrible that they're drinking, how terrible that this. And that doesn't create anything except for polarity and you sticking on your one centimetre and they, you know, they're doing the same on their 100 centimetres. And th- this is the problem I see globally. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's relationship or, or companies. We've got to start merging those molecules into possibilities instead of fighting for the rightness of our point of view. Mm. And, you know, again, from my project manager's perspective, this has been a, an issue for me for a long time because it, it seems like such a long time since I've actually heard any politician um, create a shared vision for our country about what we as a community want to experience as a member of this country and what we want for our kids and what we want to leave behind us, knowing full well we're all going to die. So. We all say we want a better world for our kids, but um, there's, there is, there's nothing around. It, it, all the rhetoric is around um, jumping at shadows of what's happening now and reacting to that in a way that ensures people are re-elected. But what it's done is undermine our trust in government even more and to think that, well, that's all about um, their narcissistic beliefs. About- well, it's the survival. It's like, oh, we've got this new problem in government. Okay, we need to fight this bear. How do we fight this bear? And none of that yeah, is looking at true. the people. And, you know, and mm. th- there is that survival of I want to survive, the, the party needs to survive and, you know, our individual jobs, you know, we need to survive instead of actually being courageous enough to go, okay, this new thing's happened and it's scary and I'm going to be raw and real and vulnerable and let's look at the mass population and and really get clear on what's going to what can we generate and create that's going to allow them to feel safe, secure and supported. But what's but that can't happen because the individual uh, elected members are in survival on looking after themselves and then the next step is look, you know making sure the party stays so they have they mm. have a, a job. Yeah, there's a couple of people that are making a difference in the world, but generally speaking that's that's what I see in government. Yes, and I'm the first one to say there are many people come into it with a good heart. They all want to there's, make a there's difference. There's quite a few that do. Yeah. 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 So I get that too. And then but they realise the the reality. <laughs> well, they're caught up in a party machine or whatever, and mm. uh, and the limitations of what that enables. But I still think that if each of us could hear somebody talking about a vision for the future, that 
actually had we we felt good listening to it and think, yeah, I want to be part of that, then we would all accept um, things we had to do to take us there. But um, and I guess in closing, for me, Grace, um, it, it's an acknowledgement that what we're currently doing is is actually not working. No. So you know, in my world, when I observe what's going on, we have. Globally, we've got many economies that are being underpinned by the health and well-being industry. We've never had the ability to connect to the global community as we currently do. However, anxiety, depression, suicide, domestic violence, diseases like cancer, relationship breakdown, lack of trust in governments and authorities, they've never been more prevalent. So we actually have to stop and ask ourselves, what else is possible here? And maybe, you know, maybe we should go back and be more intentional in deciding what our core values actually are and just having an awareness around that for each for each value that we think we've got. Ask ourselves why we value it. Is there a belief underneath it? And if so, is that belief still serving us and helping us to create the life that we, we want to experience so that when we when our time's up here, we'll feel satisfied that we have indeed lived a good life. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you become aware of of what's important for you, I mean, to me, uh, true kindness, not bastardised kindness, uh, is super important to me. And so who do I want to be? I want to be someone who's kind. And um, that doesn't mean being a a doormat. Uh, It's very different. The kindness that I'm talking about is an energy. And um, and so it's who do you want to be? What's important to you? And, um, and, and, and if you're willing to be that in a way that contributes to, you know, the world, the planet, you know, you know your beings, your, your family, um, that to me there's no greater gift than you being you. And part of being you is becoming aware of, you know, what is important to you? Who do you want to be? What do you desire? Mm. Yeah, I agree. So some home plays, and maybe I remember you, told me about a quiz that you found online about determining your core values. We could perhaps put a link to that on the website. Oh, you mean that fun thing that I just shared with you, those three questions? Yes. I don't, do, you think yes. that, do you think that works as values? Well, I don't know. It says, well, it would be interesting to see because the quiz <laughs> is about determining your core values. So. True, true, it was a fun way. Yeah, okay, yes. we'll, we'll put something up, whether it's that one or yes. <laughs> I just have to yes. think about whether yes. that's value. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> oh, well, no, but anyway. I, it I was, a, it was fun. It was fun. We'll put it on oh, actually, that's up. true. Maybe I'm not actually connecting with <laughs> the one that you mean. <laughs> and I'm going, mm. <laughs> Mind you, the yeah, fact yeah, that we're no, talking no, about no, it, I, I might put it on. Because it was fun. Yes, it was fun, that one too. But thank you for sharing with me today. I always enjoy seeing what you can see that I can't see. Absolutely. And, you know, as um, we've said many times, we're not experts. We're just chatting with you and um, just sharing what we would like to see in the world. And if it's something that you too would like to see, well, you know, it's on the supermarket shelf, as Vic says, and um, give it a go. So um, have a beautiful week. Take care. Bye. Bye for now.